0: Excitedly wonky, seldom weighty, endlessly well-intentioned, and wildly witty show about music where one knows what's coming and the other doesn't.
1: That's the way I like it and the way it it contractually must remain. (laughs) And uh, that was a lovely uh, encapsulation there, a little summation. for. That was one way of insummation of explaining the show. Oh, he did not just drop the name of your latest single, which is incredible. Uh, You got to hear this insummation thing. Oh, man. Uh, Okay, Uh, but I would perhaps swap out seldom weighty with never weighty, like not even the least little bit. But then again, it is more rhythmic and uh, lyrical your way, so I will defer. Do it exactly that way because I loved it.
0: (laughs) Well... I think it could be sometimes weighty because sometimes we talk about people who've passed on. So that is. Oh, yeah, for the yeah. Weighty seldom. Part. Okay. So that, seldom. that brings it to the seldom level. Seldom yeah. weighty. Yes.
1: Somebody kicking the bucket. Okay. That, that's, that's a slightly weighty. weighty. Yeah. Yes, yeah.
0: exactly. Now, when does it happen, David? You're probably asking that. Well, it happens in between both proper to ensure that you, the audience, our beloved fans, if, can we say that? Can we say fans? Let's try it. Can spend anywhere from 15 to 180 minutes with us every week.
1: Well, I personally wasn't wondering because that clued in at least enough I am to know at least that we're on every week. However, the audience might have been querying themselves about that because, after all, silently, since they can't reach us, at least, well, they can. You can write to us any time. You know, like, as I said, a uh, wooden height, uh, a couple of letters and cards and things, uh, we wouldn't mind. Write we never write anymore. We never write anymore.
0: I said anymore.
1: You don't send us flowers, you know. That uh,
0: they knew that we were coming,
1: to bake <clears throat> the cake. They'd bake the cake. That's right. See, they might not know. They might not have woven us into the warp and woof of their lives mm. on a weekly basis. However, they can stream us 24-7. If lesser trivialities such as uh, jobs uh, uh, hinder your uh, birds of a feather and winging its schedule. Peshaw, but uh, peshaw, Yeah, I mean, pff, uh, until you get your priorities straight, you can stream us anytime. That's so. correct. All right. So, um as usual, I know not what thou wilt say.
0: Well, the moment that you and I have been waiting for, the big reveal. Today, we will be talking about, I don't know, I kind of feel like I need a drum fill. The
1: phony plastic beat machine. Oh, wait, hold on, oh, I got a oh, drum. Oh, oh no. No, 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 okay. <laughs> I got the phony plastic beat machine you on do. standby here. Yeah.
0: That's true. We can always insert that yeah. later. John Lennon's eight favorite musicians. What? Now,
1: I'm going to tell you right up front that I do not know, but I'm dying to hear what he says because as I was just remarking to you here in both studios right before we started – if you want to boil down my favorite single songwriter, if I had to name one person, it would probably be John Lennon, and that would be the stuff he wrote with the Beatles. Solo stuff, really, McCartney totally outshined him in the solo arena, I think, but Lennon's my favorite songwriter, really, as far as the Beatles go. So that means of all time, for the most part, and I'm dying to see who he rated as a musician, except there's one person I know, because you don't collaborate with someone if you think they suck, so anybody he worked with, we know he thinks highly of, so I'm dying to hear the list.
0: Well, let me share a little bit. First of all, this is from Far Out Magazine, or shall I say courtesy of Far Out Magazine.
1: Well, I mean, some people collaborate with me, but that's pity, but that wouldn't be the case with Lennon, but go ahead.
0: (laughs) I think they would beg to differ, but that's all right. I'll let you have that this moment because uh, we'll talk about that on Birds of a Feather. So from across a series of different interviews, this magazine has managed to compile a list of John Lennon's eight favorite musicians and... To add a little bit of extra sugar on top, they also have online, by the way, a playlist. However, we're not going to include the playlist. However, if you want to, you can go look up John Lennon's Eight Favorite Musicians on Spotify.
1: I'm, I'm going to guess two of them right now, so go ahead. Oh, yeah.
0: well, above I mean, all I'm not going to say them
1: out loud. I'm just going to say yes. Um, I would
0: like to actually know before we get started. Above all else, John Lennon was a music fan. That's one of the things that we need to get straight. So when you hear the list of people, when you're thinking about, Somebody who's a music fan, these things will not surprise you. But I am dying to know, who do you think were amongst his favorites?
1: Well, two people I know he thought very highly of would be Elton John and Chuck Berry. But beyond that, I would be guessing. But yes, go ahead.
0: Very interesting. Well, shall I do the big reveal? Yes. First one, and I'm waiting for this response. That's that's what I live for, David. Eric Clapton.
1: Yeah, I was going to say him too because he played with him in The Dirty Mac.
0: Excellent. Ooh, look at you. Well, yeah. there is no doubting that the primary influence the esteemed guitar maestro Eric Clapton had on the Beatles was through George Harrison, but in Clapton, Lennon felt that he found a kindred spirit, so much so that when Harrison temporarily left the band, Lennon thought the best replacement was slowhand himself, Eric Clapton. Wow.
1: Well, I love Clapton. He's in my top five uh, guitar players, but I would never think to replace Lennon and the Beatles with him. However, that doesn't surprise me either because they did play together. Of course, we know, as you were saying, uh, through George Harrison, I mean, Eric Clapton played While My Guitar Gently Weeps. I mean, the lead guitar. And of course, Harrison played on Clapton's uh, badge, uh, on Cream's badge, rather, Mm -hmm. on the not a solo. But I was going to guess that would have been my third, but I'm still holding on the other two. But yeah, Clapton, absolutely, I would have thought.
0: Well, Harrison, while on break from the group, had been spending majority of his time with Clapton, and eventually he rejoined the group. But that didn't stop Lennon from coveting the guitar genius. Instead, he attempted to grab Clapton for a round-the-world tour with the Plastic Ono Band, and he did, in fact, join the band on some occasions to perform alongside Lennon.
1: Very nice. And uh, they did, of course, play together Your Blues, John Lennon's song from the White Album with the Dirty Mac. That would be Keith Richards on mm. bass. Who nice. the hell was it? Mitch Mitchell of the Jimi Hendrix Experience on drums? I forget, but it was Clapton and Keith Richards. Come on, man. You got I Beatles. Mean, you got Stones. You got Creamers. You got everything. I meant did Harrison. Say creamers? creamers. I did say Creamers. <laughs> <laughs> just came out. I, mean, I love it. Never thought that Cream... It just came. I never thought of that before.
0: Does that make us Creamers since we yeah, like Cream? I guess creamers? so. We're
1: Creamers. So the uh, But I meant Harrison before. Uh, I cannot see replacing Harrison with Clapton, although Clapton is... You know, quote-unquote, technically a better guitar player. Harrison was the Beatles' guitar player, just like Ringo was the Beatles' drummer. Best drummer the Beatles ever could have had was Ringo ever in the universe. And uh, I see dubious looks from Christina. She... uh, He was fine. Yeah, okay. He was the Beatles' perfect drummer. So, okay. Anyway, yes, who's next?
0: Well chuck berry <laughs>
1: uh, yeah well they did that movie hail uh, i was a uh, hail hail rock and roll or something like that chuck berry had a movie with uh, people joining him and of course how many chuck berry songs do the beatles cover like 12 i mean I it mean, just it was constant you know uh so yeah absolutely not surprised at all they played together they knew each other and it was beautiful
0: yeah. well john lennon says if you had to give rock and roll another name you might call it chuck berry
1: you might indeed
0: Uh, Without a doubt, the forefather of modern rock and roll, Barry's ability not only to perform, but write some of the most vibrant music the group had ever heard at the time. And Paul McCartney says to us, he was a magician making music that was exotic yet normal at the same time. We learned so many things from him that led us into a dream world of rock and roll music.
1: Uh, Yeah, the first, the pinnacle of songwriting, of song storytelling, was Chuck Berry. I mean, he was Mm -hmm. the godfather of them all. Him and Johnny Cash, when it came to telling stories through song, they were the geniuses. Johnny Be Good is the perfect rock and roll song, bar none. Uh. And was it not Bob Seeger who sang on Rock and Roll Never Forgets? He described guitar players as all Chuck's children. And in fact, the sentiment echoed by Ted Nugent in uh, Between Song Banter on the um, Double Live Gonzo album, I believe. So rock and roll guitar players are always Chuck's children in some way. And I'm not surprised at all that he's on this list because he was the true architect of rock and roll, as far as I'm concerned. you know.
0: Agreed. I mean, he was a pioneer in every way. He really started the movement. I mean, again, not only his superb and inventive guitar playing, but then his showmanship was just incredible and influenced obviously legions of of amazing musicians, including the Beatles. So I'm not surprised by anybody on this list so far. I mean, with a virtuoso like Eric Clapton, of course, that makes perfect sense. But then really, I mean, to hear the level of influence that Chuck Berry had on them. There's another group here that once you hear the Beatles in your mind, you go, oh, I hear the influence. While Chuck Berry is one that many people are influenced by, this other band isn't, so it'll be interesting.
1: All right, and who would that be?
0: That would be, are you ready for it? I'm ready. The Everly Brothers.
1: Oh, wow.
0: Yes, so if there's one band who can attest for being an integral part of the Beatles' early vocal sound than it has to be the Everly Brothers. The group's shudderingly beautiful vocals made the singing sensations one of the music's hottest properties in the early 60s and directly influenced John Lennon too who often cited the group as primary influences.
1: And yes, you can see that influence in Beatles songwriting and harmonies. Yes. Not to mention another person I know is going to be on that list that just came to mind and you had me say them, right? Yes. Buddy Holly is going to be on there, I think, personally, because you can hear hear (laughs) Lennon doing that at times, and you know that's where it comes from. Buddy Holly was another of the absolute... He was probably next in line to Chuck Berry, uh, although he didn't write all by himself all the time, but I mean, Buddy Holly's undeniable. one. He shaped rock and roll. For sure. And you can hear people such as even Lemmy from Motorhead citing him as a major influence. And I think that's beautiful when a real kick-ass, hard rock metal band uh, acknowledges what true rock and roll is, and that's Chuck Berry, Buddy Holly type stuff. Can't wait to hear more.
0: Well, this particular style of the Everly Brothers was undoubtedly borrowed or at least leaned on upon the Beatles. uh, When the Beatles began writing chart-topping pop songs like Love Me Do, Please Please Me, and the band even paid tribute to the group on Let It Be during the song Two of Us on which Macca tips his hat by saying, Take it, Phil.
1: Oh, you know, I love that song, Two of Us, and I never noticed he was saying Phil. Yes. And if I had, I would not have put it together that he was talking about <laughs> Phil Everly. How so. would you know? Yes. <laughs> Very clever, Sir Paul. You
0: know? <laughs> and you won't see many people point to the Everly Brothers, as I mentioned, as influential band too much these days but for the fab four they were everything
1: hell yeah nice so
0: a surprise but again once you start to really listen to those harmonies you automatically say aha
1: ah and they also were influential on simon and garfunkel oh without for sure. a doubt yeah. i was gonna mention they that, covered them thought, do i go yeah. there but yeah. yes absolutely. just a brief aside just a know, brief aside, aside.
0: that's a, we're allowed we're allowed we can do whatever yeah. we want so the next one is not going to surprise you and is one of your heroes Bob Dylan. Oh
1: yes, yes. I I only recently found out a year or so ago from reading a magazine that was legit, not a bunch of trash, that it was um, Dylan. Uh, Dylan met the Beatles and introduced them to <gasps> Satan's salad, the <laughs> the Devil's lettuce, marijuana. Yes, he introduced them to weed, and they put out what they call their country western album, Beatles for Sale. Oh, wow. and uh, yeah, that was uh, when they met Dylan at that time, and that doesn't surprise me at all.
0: Nice. Well, Cliff Richard and The Shadows may have shaped the band's early sound and vision, but Bob Dylan arguably had the biggest influence on the Beatles. His style of songwriting was a keen influence on all of the British groups at the time, of course, and his message of opening up oneself to your audience through personally reflective pop songs landed most heavily on John Lennon. One track that Lennon later admitted in 1980 came from me in my Dylan period was "I'm a Loser" from Beatles for Sale.
1: Nice, yeah. Beatles for Sale is definitely a lot of Dylan influence. They call it country western, it isn't really, but it is folkier. It's folkier, got that folky thing, right? it's spookier, and it's a it's a beautiful record. It's not a single. Uh, I've said to so many times. Oh, I love everything from Revolver on. There's not a single Beatles record I would ever dispense with. Right. Certainly not Beatles for Sale. And, um, yeah, Bob Dylan is another one, along with Chuck Berry, along with Johnny Cash, the great storytellers oh, of sure. popular music. And, uh, but yeah, so, I mean...
0: so different in contrast. Oh, I mean, yeah. One is a hard rocker. One is, is a folk hero. Yeah. And I think to have the Beatles sound the way that they sound, you needed to have both of those influences. And thank God for them because we have... Again, all these different albums from the Beatles, I love the different flavors. You could have one album that has a million different flavors on it. And I love that about a band because I don't want to say, oh, they all sound alike. You can't say that about the Beatles. You just can't. Yeah. I mean, one song to the next, one album to the next. And I do love the the folkiness that they have, even when they're doing a rock song. Yeah. It, through the influence of the Everly Brothers, I really, really enjoy that. So. I can definitely hear all of these influences throughout, and even though we didn't get it from the horse's mouth, if you will, John Lennon certainly has talked about all of these, and and the rest of them have certainly talked about all of these that you know that these are certainly, at least in his top ten. So.
1: And, and Bob Dylan, of course, is one who rocked up folk music. For sure. By going electric, and he'd put together these bands that would just tear stuff up exactly like a rock and roll band would do. And even, like I said, I think his, uh, Along the Watchtower Live, is even uh, heavier than uh, Hendrix's. So he would get wild and uh, and really uh, lay down some heavy rock sometimes too. But the folk, the storytelling, I mean, it's, it's, it's just at the, classic. At the,
0: it's always at the, the core. It's and- always
1: at the core of it. And, of course, you can see that in Nobody Told Story. I have so many Dylan records it's ridiculous nobody ever told stories like him and he could do more with 12 Bar Blues than anybody on the planet sure. you know and I'm not surprised that the Beatles are you know majorly influenced by him because well it's, it's clear as you were saying but.
0: but it's interesting because some people may not have made these connections right because all the connections like you were saying you know to have kind of a harder rock group kind yeah. of give a nod to like a Bob Dylan or, or somebody folky you may not have heard that but in the Beatles you can hear a lot of their influences but it's really cool to know Kind of where they cut their teeth, where their major influences were, and why they have some of the sounds that they have.
1: No, and it isn't that apparent. As you said, if I hadn't actually read it, it never would have occurred to me that Bob Dylan was around at that time personally hanging out with them yeah. and getting high with them and influencing them. And that's what caused them to put out a record like Beatles for sale. Right. That would not have occurred to me. The Chuck Berry thing is obvious. The it Buddy obvious. Holly thing is obvious. The Dylan thing is not. So that is very interesting. And if, like I said, if I hadn't read it, I never would have guessed. Yeah.
0: Right. Absolutely. Well, the next one, again, is no surprise to you because you've already called it because you're like that. Mm-hmm. I can always count on you to call this shit Elton John. Oh, yeah. Well. Well, the Rocket Man also had a hand in Lennon's only living U.S. number one in "Whatever Gets, gets You Through, you the, through night. the Night." Yep,
1: that's <laughs> Just, that's what I was referring to when I talked about yes. the collab. You know, they did that great thing together, and of course, Elton John wrote the gorgeous gorgeous song about the passing of john lennon uh, empty garden we were just singing we were just it. singing it before and it's a it's a tearjerker it's a yeah.
0: tearjerker every single time and you know it's it's funny because not many people know that song and when i did the promo asking people to give us hell yes or oh hell no for elton i use it on purpose because i don't think enough people know about that song and that yeah. song is just just so beautiful and so I mean, it just tears my heart out in the best way. It's so beautiful. You Not don't hear it a lot. You don't. I, I think I've heard if it on the you were around, twice in my life.
1: When was John Lennon? 1980, 80-something 80, 80 like something, that. 80-something, yeah, If you were around back then, then you heard Hey, Hey, Johnny, Empty Garden, and yes. you were very much moved by it. You know, those who are a little bit younger and don't remember that might have never heard the song, right. and uh, it's uh, good that it's out. I'm glad you put it in the ad. It's very nice.
0: Yeah, absolutely. If you haven't heard it, go listen to it. John Lennon recalled how the song Whatever Gets You Through the Night was born I was fiddling around one night And Elton John walked in with Tony King of Apple You know, we were all good friends And the next minute Elton said Say, can I put a bit of piano on that? I said, sure, I'd love it He zapped in, I was amazed at his ability I knew him, but I'd never seen him play And he goes on to say A fine musician, great piano player, I was really pleasantly surprised at the way he could get in on such a loose track and add to it and keep up with the rhythm changes, obviously, because it doesn't keep the same rhythm. And then he sang with me. We had a great time. And then the songs rise to number one would eventually lead to Lennon's final onstage performance after he lost a bet to Elton. Really? Yes, so that was his last... I guess he lost a bet, and so he had to perform live on stage. And that was the last time, because he didn't want to. It wasn't something he wanted to do. So he lost a bet to Elton, and thank God because people got to see him one last time.
1: It's been quite a while since I've heard it. Isn't that a live recording?
0: I believe so. I think it's it been is. A long time. Maybe
1: maybe they worked on it together, and he had to do it live, and that was the bet part. I don't know, but I'm not uh,
0: sure exactly. But because it didn't I seem go to remember it being
1: a live recording. It's been a while since I've heard it, but. It's stuck in my head, but I mean, I, I'm hearing an audience, so <laughs> yeah, uh, I think, so I, I think too. that was, I think it's a live record. I
0: think it was too, and I think it was his onstage performance that was then recorded as a live recording, and then I don't think he wanted to do it, but he did it. He, Not, lost a bet, and he honored it.
1: Yeah, I called it, Elton John for sure, yeah.
0: You did call it. Now, this one you didn't call, but I don't think it will surprise you. David Bowie.
1: Um, No, that doesn't surprise me at all, because uh, no, no, it doesn't.
0: Because it wasn't until Fame that the duo really connected. Lennon wouldn't work with just anyone but agreed to work with Bowie on his song Fame. Once in 1999, Bowie was speaking to Berkeley College when he said, It's impossible for me to talk about popular music without mentioning probably my greatest mentor, John Lennon. I guess he defined for me at any rate how one could twist and turn the fabric of pop and imbue it with elements from other art forms, often producing something extremely beautiful, very powerful and imbued with strangeness. And the two would share an intrinsic relationship that would give both men grounding in another. So they were very close. And that's how highly Lennon thought of him and he thought of Lennon.
1: And that was another one of the collaborations because yes. John Lennon, everybody knows the song Fame. Absolutely yes, everybody. Well, John everybody. Lennon co-wrote the song. Yes. It's David Bowie, Carlos Alomar, John Lennon. That's the writing credit on that, if, unless I'm wrong. You know, I you you're correct. And uh, Lennon plays guitar on it, and he sings on it. You can hear his voice very plainly. You sure you know, can. I mean, there's no mistake in John Lennon's voice in that song. And also, the same album, 1973. Fives' absolutely brilliant Young Americans, which is a total uh, 180-degree turn for Bowie from one level of genius to another. Sure. uh, And it's one of my favorite records. Also features Bowie's breathtaking cover of... The Beatles, Lennon's own Beatles song, Across the Universe, in which he oh, totally he reinvents it. And we talked about this on I uh, Will Do It Better Than Emu, yes. where it is, believed believe, that David Boy absolutely did it better than the Lennon original, or at least absolutely. shoulder to shoulder. So, yeah, that's another one that doesn't surprise me, because they work together. And Lennon didn't just go around working with everybody. You know, he did not, no. Know.
0: He was very, very, very picky. Yeah. Absolutely. He clearly only really worked with people who heavily influenced him or were heroes, which makes sense. I mean, how great for him to get to do that.
1: Can you imagine? I mean, and and people have done this. It's like somebody influences you, somebody is a hero of yours, and then you get to actually record with them. I can't even. That's just fantastic. that's amazing.
0: So here's another one. Harry Nilsson. Oh. Another staunch collaborator of John Lennon's was a mercurial menace of Harry Nilsson. The singer often accompanied Lennon on nights out during his infamous Lost Weekend period, Uh but gained such friendship and notoriety with a selection of simply golden pop songs of which Lennon was a huge fan. However, by the time his 10th record, Pussycats, was due out, he needed some extra clout, so he roped in his old pal Lennon. The duo delivered a masterful pop record that ranks among one of Nilsson's finest.
1: Hey! Very nice. And Harry Nielsen, by the way, just an amazing songwriter uh, and uh, singer. He was one of the notorious Hollywood vampires, not the rock Mm. band today, but the old drinking club in Hollywood (laughs) who would hang out at their lair, the Rainbow Bar and Grill upstairs. And the plaque is still up there and it talks about who were the members. It was Alice Cooper was the president of the whole thing. It was three drummers. It was Keith Moon. Ringo Starr and Mickey Dolenz. We got three oh drummers. Gosh. Harry Nielsen was one of them. And I'm trying to remember who the other ones were. But these were guys who would just hang out and drink together. And Lennon. Uh, and all, imagine all these guys hanging out at the Rainbow. Drinking and stuff. Not a big fan of drinking or anything. But I mean, it'd be nice to see all these guys together and having a little fun. Sure. But um, yeah, so Harry Nielsen was one of the gang. So yeah, I guess that doesn't surprise me.
0: No, and this one will not surprise you, though. You didn't guess it. Elvis Presley.
1: Oh well. Oh no no no. I, I would have guessed that it had I more time, but as you know, this is totally spontaneous.
0: But you came up with some of them right out of the gate. Oh, so yeah, I yeah. will say. And Elvis well played.
1: Well, yeah. And and Elvis, of course, uh You can hear his influence in their music as well. And they flat out said that they've said it all many times that uh, they were big fans of Elvis and inspired by Elvis.
0: Well, John Lennon said before Elvis, there was nothing.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. That's right. (laughs) I've heard that quote.
0: In the same year, Lennon revealed when talking about the White Album that Elvis had always been an icon for him. Rockers is what we really are. You can give me a guitar, stand me up in front of a few people, even in the studio. If I'm getting into it, I'm just doing my old bit. Not quite. Elvis legs but doing my equivalent. Nice. So those are the eight that make up John Lennon's favorites. Again, pieced together by this amazing magazine, listening to many, many, many different interviews to try to understand which were kind of in his top. And I think they nailed it.
1: Wow. And I'm sure if you were to look into the interviews of uh, John Lennon, he has to have mentioned Buddy Holly.
0: I'm sure he did Because at some point. They didn't make it to the top yeah. eight, but maybe he just talked about these more so than anybody else. I
1: yeah, think. because you can hear it in the vocal style for sure. And, of course, uh, they actually, if I'm not mistaken... They used to cover one of his songs. I'm trying to remember that. But anyway, the name Beatles is kind of a riff off of Buddy Holly's band, The Crickets, Mm -hmm. who got their name from a cricket in the actual studio. (laughs) It's like, hey, we're the crickets. Okay. (laughs) So that's uh, sort of a riff off of uh, The Crickets is the name of the Beatles. So Buddy Holly had to have been in there somewhere along the line. But I will say the man had exquisite taste. He did. That was a fantastic list.
0: Top of the line. Well, I certainly hope that you found this episode, uh, you know, Whimsical, whirring, wonky, somewhat weighty, well-intentioned, and wildly witty. So now that we've come to the end of it, we've talked about the stuff we need to talk about. That only leaves for you to say what.
1: Let's fly this coop. <coughs> <coughs>
0: This has been Birds of a Feather on Fusion Music Radio.